I spoke earlier of the next generation, and they are here this morning in the form of our children, and I want to send them out for children in worship time. Queremos enviar a los niños para el tiempo de niños en adoración, and we're so grateful that they are a treasure among us and that we can invest God's word in their hearts, and thank you to all of those who are part of that, teaching and helping. Gracias a los que ayudan a enseñar a nuestros niños, and as they are kind of settling into their place, I want to invite you to uh, have the Bible handy, whether it's on your phone or our copies that we have on the tables in the back, que saquen sus Biblias, and we are in this series on the Gospel of Luke, and before we dive in, I just want to uh, again express my welcome to you. Well done, you made it on uh, Daylight Saving Time Change. Not bad, I'm, I'm, I'm okay with this. It's uh, It's good, I mean, you know, they're talking about NBA players playing for nobody, so here we are, we're together, I'm glad for that. Um, but uh, also, if you are here for the first time, or maybe you've just started coming, we do have in our, in our bulletin here a card that you can fill out, and we'll be having an offering time after the message, and we just encourage you to, to drop that in there, and we can be in touch with you if there's any way we can serve and encourage you along the way. Hay una tarjetita en el boletín que pueden llenar si necesitan oración o algún contacto entre semana. So our scripture that we're going to look at right now is from the Gospel of Luke. It's chapter 15 that we're going to be looking at today. Chapter 15, verses 1 through 10. Vamos a mirar Lucas 15, del 1 al 10. And on the screen, there's a page number that's uh, from the Bibles in the back that will help you to find it. La página indica donde está en las Biblias atrás. What I want to remind you of is that we're doing something a bit ambitious here. It's ambitious for me and, and uh, I hope for you. We're trying to study and get our arms around two chapters of Luke every week. And not only to get our arms around it, but to get our hearts and to get our heads around it and to see how this might have uh, something to do with our daily lives, and I truly believe it does. Estamos haciendo algo ambicioso, intentando cubrir los capítulos. So today, chapters 15 and 16 is where we're, we're kind of looking. But I want to read this first. Uh, I'll read the text in Spanish and then in English. Voy a leer este texto primero en español, después en inglés. So let's remind ourselves of what we have here. We have God's word, and we have the good news of Jesus. Es la palabra de Dios y las buenas noticias de Jesús. Dice, muchos recaudadores e impuestos y pecadores se acercaban a Jesús para huirlo, de modo que los fariseos y los maestros de la ley se pusieron a murmurar, este hombre recibe a los pecadores y come con ellos. Él entonces les contó esta parábola. Supongamos que uno de ustedes tiene 100 ovejas y pierde una de ellas. No deja las 99 en el campo y va en busca de la oveja perdida hasta encontrarla y cuando la encuentra, Lleno de alegría la carga en los hombros y vuelve a la casa. Al llegar, reúne a sus amigos y vecinos y les dice, alégrense conmigo, ya encontré la oveja que se me había perdido. Les digo que así es también en el cielo. Habrá más alegría por un solo pecador que se arrepienta que por 99 justos que no necesitan arrepentirse. O supongamos que una mujer tiene 10 monedas de plata y pierde una. No enciende una lámpara, barre la casa y busca con cuidado hasta encontrarla. Y cuando la encuentra, reúne a sus amigas y vecinas y les dice, alégrense conmigo, ya encontré la moneda que se me había perdido. Les digo que asimismo se alegra a Dios con sus ángeles por un pecador que se arrepiente. Now, the tax collectors and sinners 
were all gathering around to hear him. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Does he not leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. Or suppose a woman has 10 silver coins and loses one. Does she not light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost coin. In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Well, I don't like to think about this very much, but that doesn't change much. It doesn't change the reality of the situation. No quiero pensar mucho en esta realidad, pero eso no cambia nada. Uh, the fact is, every single year, I am inching closer and closer to this thing, to this eventuality. Cada año me acerco a esta realidad. It's this thing called retirement, la jubilación. Some of you are closer to that than I am. But I'm starting to think more about it. Uh, no announcements. But I said to Mindy the other day, I was talking to my wife, I said, you know, we really ought to, experts say we should be sitting down and actually looking at our retirement plan. You know, how we are doing. We should probably do that sometime soon. Le dije a mi esposa, debemos revisar nuestro plan de jubilación. I mean, you know, uh, uh, you know the, the whole thing you're supposed to have, right? Uh, sounds like a lot of fun, huh? Not. But, you know, we got to do that because experts say, you know, you need to have enough money set aside. Hay que tener suficiente dinero apartado in Social Security, 401k, pensions, savings, ahorro, seguro social, pensiones, etc., how much money do you need for retirement? ¿Cuánto se necesita? A lot, okay? Just a lot. That's, that's the number in my head. A lot of money. And if you look out there, especially on the internet, you can find all kinds of advice about how to invest for retirement. Actually, there's advice about how to invest for other things as well. Hay mucho, mucho consejo de cómo invertir para la jubilación. But, but there are all kinds of things out there you can find. You know, some are saying stocks and bonds and mutual funds, la bolsa de valores, uh, precious metals, commodities. Uh, even some would say, well, the best plan is to play the lottery or to go to Las Vegas. That's one way to, to prepare for retirement. Otro dicen que hay, que hay que jugar con la lotería o ir a Las Vegas. So there's all kinds of advice out there. Some of it's good advice, some of it, eh, not so good, not so smart. Hay buenos y malos consejos. Well, here's the thing. If you're going to, to have money for retirement, you've got to invest. And to invest, you've actually got to put your money at risk. Hay que arriesgar la inversión para la jubilación. And, and here's the thing. The more money you risk, the more return you're going to get, but at the same time, the more money you risk, the more you stand to lose that money. Entre más arriesgas, puedes ganar más o perder más. 
But there's another aspect of retirement that perhaps we need to think about as well. And that's not only the investment of our money, but the investment of our lives, of our moments and days. Como vamos a invertir nuestra vida? When I look back upon, upon my life at a place called retirement, if there is such a thing, really, we don't retire when we're a part of God's plan, right? No nos jubilamos en el plan de Dios. But when I look back, what have I invested in? ¿En qué he invertido mi vida? I think that's something that's a question that really has to do with our scripture today from Luke chapters 15 and 16. And I want to look at this a bit more closely. Miremos Lucas 15 y 16. Again, I want to remind us where we are in this story. Uh, Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem. In a sense, he's on his way to the retirement of his earthly ministry. He's going to a place where his earthly ministry will come to a conclusion on the cross. Jesús está en camino a Jerusalén para la jubilación de, de lo que es la cruz. And as he's on the way, it says here in chapter 15 that he finds himself in a group of, of tax collectors and other assorted sinners. Está con unos recaudadores, impuestos y pecadores. And Jesus did this often. He was with this kind of people often, talking to them. Prostitutes, beggars, perhaps a, a, a non-Jew here and there, a dirty non-Jew. It was a group of sinners. Había prostitutas a lo mejor y mendigos y tal. And as he's doing that, as he's teaching them the word of God, in the background, there are the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, and they're muttering, they're whispering under their breath, what is this guy doing? He's, he's actually welcoming and eating with sinful people. Los fariseos murmuran, este come con pecadores. They're shaking their heads in disgust. Están disgustados. It's clear from what is being said here that they don't approve of the way that Jesus is investing in these people. Desaprueban su inversión en estas personas. I mean, they do not like how G Why would he waste all this time? Why would he waste his breath, his energy, to try to do anything with this kind of people? ¿Por qué invertirse en esta gente? Why doesn't Jesus dedicate himself to something that's more worthwhile? ¿Por qué no dedicarse a algo más digno de su tiempo? And in response... Jesus simply tells some stories. He tells not one story, not two stories, but three powerful stories. Él responde con tres parábolas. Three parables in which he, he directly comes against the, the snobbery and the skepticism of the Pharisees. Él responde a su escepticismo. He says, suppose you're a shepherd. Supongamos que eres pastor. You've got a hundred sheep to take care of. Tienes cien ovejas. One of them wanders off. Se, se desvía uno. It gets lost. If you're a good shepherd, you're going to risk 99% of your investment to go after that one sheep and find it. Vas a arriesgar 99% de tu inversión para encontrar la una. And when a shepherd finds that one lost sheep, what does the shepherd say? Que dice, pastor, a encontrarla. Does he say, whew, I'm really glad the 99 stayed safe while I was gone. Que bueno, las 99 están bien. No, he doesn't say that. Chapter 15, 
verse 6, it says he puts that sheep upon his shoulders and he goes home and he calls his friends and neighbors together. Carga la oveja en los hombres, los hombros y vuelve a la casa. And then he says to them, rejoice with me. I found my lost sheep. Dice a los vecinos, alegrense conmigo, ya encontré la oveja que se me había perdido. And the point, Jesus says, is this. In the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. Así es, también en el cielo habrá más alegría por un solo pecador que se arrepienta que por 99 justos que no necesitan arrepentirse. Or let's suppose there's a woman who has 10 coins. Una mujer tiene 10 monedas de plata. 10 silver coins. One of them turns up missing. She loses it. Se le pierde una. What does she say? Oh, well, easy come, easy go. At least I still have nine coins. I'm still good. Por lo menos tengo nueve monedas. She doesn't say that. Are you kidding me? She takes out her lamp and her broom, and she turns the house upside down. Saca la escoba la lámpara y vuelca la casa, and she's looking in every single nook and cranny until she finds the coin. And again, chapter 15, verse 9. When she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me. Hey, I found my lost coin. Cuando la encuentra, reúne a sus amigas y dice, Alegnese conmigo, ya encontré la moneda que se me había perdido. In the same way, Jesus says, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Les digo que así mismo se alegra Dios con sus ángeles por un solo pecador que se arrepiente. You begin to see a pattern here? Hay un patrón aquí. In case you can't, Jesus tells a third story. This story is longer. In some ways, this story is more colorful. Es una parábola más extendida, colorida. It's about a rich father, a wealthy father who has two sons. Un padre tiene dos hijos. The younger son comes to the father and basically says, Dad, I would like you to give me now the inheritance that you would give me if you were to die. Quiero que me des ahora la herencia cuando tú mueras. In other words, basically he's saying to his father, Dad, I want you to be dead right now. Quiero que me seas muerto ahora. You're dead to me. The father gives it to him despite the pain that that causes. And the son goes off to a faraway place and he blows it all on wine, women, and song. El hijo lleva la herencia a un país lejano y, y lo desgasta en mujeres y vino y fiestas. And when poverty literally leaves him in the pig pen, the most unclean place a Jew would want to be, he finally wakes up and smells the coffee. Or maybe he wakes up and smells the manure. But in some way, he wakes up. Por fin se despierta, uh, se despierta cuando está con los cerdos. And he says, I'm going to go back. Maybe, just maybe, I can become a slave. A lo mejor me puedo hacer esclavo. And so he goes on his way home with this plan in mind. And where is the father? 
The father is outside of the house, scanning the horizon, looking for that sun. And when he sees that dot pop over the horizon and its sun, what does he do? He say, close the doors. Here comes that terrible guy. No, he goes running out to him. El padre está escaneando el horizonte cuando lo ve, va corriendo. He runs with open arms, wraps him around him. I'm not worthy to be called your son. No soy digno para ser tu hijo, dice el hijo. Pero el padre lo abraza. And the father starts treating him not only as a son, but as a precious, loved, preferred son. Bring the best robe. Bring the ring. Bring the sandals. Trae la mejor ropa y el anillo y las sandalias. Let's have a party. Let's rejoice. You notice that's a theme in all three of those parables. Let's rejoice. Vamos a regocijarnos, alegrarnos. Let's kill the fatted calf. That's the best meat I've got. Vamos a matar el ternero más gordo. The party's in full swing when the older brother comes along. And he is so upset, he will not even go into the house. El hermano mayor ni quiere entrar en la casa. Notice, however, something. I didn't notice this, but I read it from author Henry Nowen. Notice the father's attitude. He goes out to get the lost son, but he also goes out for the older brother. El padre va en busca del hermano mayor, tanto como el hermano menor. It doesn't matter. The father wants both in the house. And the older brother complains, why are you doing this? ¿Por qué haces esto? But the father has a much different perspective in chapter 15, verse 32, capítulo 15, 32. He says, we had to celebrate and be glad. We had to have a party. Teníamos que hacer fiesta y alegrarnos. Because this brother of yours was dead. Este hermano tuyo estaba muerto. He wanted me dead, but he was the one who was dead. Él era el muerto, no yo. He was dead and now he's alive again. Ahora está a vuelta a la vida. He was lost and now we found him. We found the lost son. Estaba perdido y ya lo hemos encontrado. In these three parables, bam, 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 one after the other, Jesus is driving home a powerful point about the attitude of God the Father towards the lost children of Israel, towards his lost people. Se ve aquí la actitud de Dios el Padre hacia los israelitas, su pueblo. And that is this, God the Father is scanning the horizon, looking, actively seeking for people to find. Está buscando los pecadores. God, the Father, comes running to sinners with open arms. Dios corre con brazos abiertos. God, the Father, rejoices when the lost come back to Him. El Padre se regocija cuando los perdidos vienen a Él. And here's the big thing. God, the Father, is willing to risk everything. To give it all away in order to invest in bringing one sinner back. El padre está dispuesto a arriesgarlo todo para traer a un solo pecador. 
that's what God the Father is doing in Jesus. God the Father is betting the farm, giving up everything so that sinners can come back. El Padre está invirtiendo todo para que vengan los pecadores. That's God's investment strategy. Es la estrategia de inversión de Dios. Here's what I see here in these stories. There is a fallacy. There is something false that Jesus is exposing in a way. He doesn't even say it, but it's there. And it's this. The real sinners are not just the ones who get lost. There are no 99 righteous ones who do not need repentance. No hay 99 que no necesitan arrepentirse. The prophet Isaiah says, we all, like sheep, have gone astray and turned to our own way. Todos como ovejas nos hemos descarriado, dice Isaías. You see, whether the Pharisees could see it or not, whether we can see it or not, we're not with the 99. There are no 99. We may act like the older brother, but you see, the older brother was refusing to go in the house too. El hermano mayor tampoco quería entrar en la casa. And yet the father's attitude is the same. God is willing to invest all for lost people. Dios invierte todo para las personas perdidas. Now, if that is the father's attitude, if that's the father's attitude towards sinners, what should our attitude be? ¿Cuál debe ser nuestra actitud? What should our response be? Really, in chapter 16, that's what all of chapter 16 is about. In chapter 16, we find two parables, two big parables that really have to do with our response to the father's investment strategy. Las parábolas del capítulo 16 tienen que ver con nuestra respuesta. The first parable, we struggled with this in our men's study this week. This first parable is hard for us to understand. It's, it's a very difficult story to understand. La primera parábola es difícil de entender. I'm going to see if I can unpack it a little bit. So there's this manager who is in charge of a rich man's uh, loans and his uh, and taking money from his debtors. Hay un, un, un administrador a cargo de, de recaudar fondos para su patrón rico. And the rich man, the owner, finds out that this man has been dishonest and wasted his resources. El rico sabe que su administrador está desgastando sus recursos. He fires him. Lo despacha. Now, from the best that Bible scholars can tell, again, there are various opinions on this, but what it seems is going on here is the the rich or the uh, dishonest manager has been skimming interest off of the loans and putting them in his own pocket. Ha estado poniendo el interés de los préstamos en su propio bolsillo. The interest doesn't appear to show on the bill because you see the rich owner is not supposed to be charging interest. So everybody's kind of playing it different here. And no se ve en la factura del interés. So he's putting that interest in his own pocket. But when the rich owner finds out, he fires him. 
But on his way out the door, the dishonest manager comes up with a plan. El administrador uh, al irse tiene un plan so that he can have favor, so he can have a place to go, so he can have open doors down the road. He brings in the debtors one by one and he allows them to take the interest that's hidden on the bill, take it off and change the bill and put the interest in their own pockets. Él permite que los deudores pongan en sus bolsillos el interés. In other words, instead of investing in his interest and his self, he invests in them. Él invierte no en sí mismo, sino en ellos, so that when he is gone, he'll have a place to go. Así tendrá donde irse. Jesus explains the real point of the parable, and this is the one thing we need to have in mind, in chapter 16, verse 9. Capítulo 16, versículo 9. He says, use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourself so that when it is gone you will be welcomed into eternal dwellings. Que se valgan de las riquezas mundanas para ganar amigos a fin de que cuando estas se acaben a quienes lo reciban a ustedes en las viviendas eternas. To kind of boil it all down what he's saying is this. Use your worldly goods to invest not in your own interest but in the interest of other people. Make friends with them so that they can make friends with God. Inviertan en los intereses ajenos para que estos se hagan amigos de Dios. When you are willing to take the stuff of your life and invest in something that's eternal, the eternal good of someone else, you're going to have a place with God and his people. You'll be in eternity as well, rejoicing. You'll have friends. Estás invirtiendo en lo que es eterno. The rich owner might be God, but I also wonder if the rich owner might not be death because we're all going to get fired someday. I don't know. I could be wrong. El dueño podría ser Dios o puede ser la muerte. But Jesus is saying, Use your investments wisely. And the reason I think he's doing this is the problem that there is with the Pharisees. In chapter 16, verse 14, Jesus really exposes the Pharisees and the teachers for what the problem was. He says that, that what they loved, what they cared about most of all was not lost people coming to God. What they cared about was money. Les importaba los fariseos el dinero, 16, 14 dice... They cared about money and they cared about finding loopholes in God's law so that they could get by in certain ways. And it would seem from the context that they cared for certain things like getting an easy divorce was important to them. And so they had loopholes in the law for that. Querían divorcios fáciles, así que tenían pretextos en la ley. They cared about putting limits on how much they could help people, especially on the Sabbath day. Didn't want to help people that day for sure. We talked about that last week. Querían límites de cuánto ayudar a las personas en el día sábado. Jesus then in chapter 16, 17 says something that makes sense in light of that. He says, you need to understand something. Nothing is going to disappear from God's laws. You can't twist around God's laws to your advantage. Not one little thing is going to disappear except your excuses. Nada va a desaparecer de la ley de Dios menos los pretextos. And then 
to make the point a little further, he tells this final story about a rich man and a poor beggar. Habla de un hombre rico, un pobre mendigo. And this story, Bible scholars say, is, is full of irony. Let me see if I can point out some of the ironies in this story. Hay mucha ironía en, este, en esta parábola. First of all, in this parable of the rich man and the poor beggar, it's the poor beggar who is given a name. His name is Lazarus. Es el pobre que tiene nombre, Lázaro. To have a name means that you're important. This poor beggar, Lazarus, is important. His name literally means God helps. Lázaro significa Dios ayuda. Ironically, though Lazarus is at this rich man's doorstep, he does nothing to help him. Rico no ayuda a Lázaro. The rich man lives in comfort. Lazarus lives in suffering. El hombre rico está en comodidad. Lázaro en sufrimiento. And when Lazarus dies, the roles are flipped. And now it's very ironic because Lazarus is helped. God helps Lazarus and brings him to Abraham's side where he is given comfort. Dios ayuda a Lázaro y lo pone al lado de Abraham en el cielo. And the rich man who's been comfortable his whole life is now in suffering. They've traded places. He's in torment. El hombre rico está en la tormenta del infierno. Here's another irony. Even though the rich man in his life didn't lift one finger to help Lazarus, he in eternity wants Lazarus to take his finger and cool it with water and put it on his tongue to calm his thirst. Aunque el hombre rico no levantara el dedo para ayudarlo, quiere que Lázaro ponga su dedo en agua para calmar su sed. How ironic. Even though the rich man didn't take one step out of his way to help Lazarus, he wants Lazarus to step out of heaven itself to go and warn his family. Aunque el hombre rico no diera un paso fuera para ayudar a Lázaro, quiere que Lázaro advierte a sus familiares. Can you sense the arrogance of this man? Can you sense the arrogance? I'm not going to do one thing. I'm not going to invest in you, but I want you to invest in making me better. What's the point? Watch your investments. Don't invest in money. Don't invest in excuses. No inviertan ni en el dinero ni en los pretextos. Invest in what matters to God. What matters to God? Seeing lost people come into the Father's house. Invierta en lo que es importante a Dios. Invest in that. How could we be willing to even just give one step out of our way? To even lift a finger in that direction. That's an investment. Invest today before retirement comes. Tomorrow it will be too late. Inviertan hoy antes de la jubilación. So, there's some powerful truth to, to chew on here in these two chapters. And I think one of the verses that comes to my mind as I think about Luke 15 and 16 as a summary of, of what's really behind all of this is found in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. Un resumen de esto en Hebreos 12, 2. It says that for the joy set before Jesus, 
for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. Por el gozo que le esperaba Jesús soportó la cruz. This is what Jesus was doing when the Pharisees questioned him. He was heading for the cross, but for the joy set before him, he was investing every step of the way in lost people who needed God. Jesús invertía con gozo a los perdidos que necesitaban a Dios. And he was willing then to go to the cross. Yes, there was suffering in the cross. Yes, there was pain, but he did it for the joy set before him. What joy? ¿Qué gozo le esperaba? The joy of the party of God's people together in the kingdom of heaven. The joy of seeing even one broken, lost person come back into the Father's house. That was the joy. Ese era el gozo que le esperaba. And Jesus, through these two chapters, is lovingly and in joyfully inviting us into God's investment strategy to invest our moments and days, to invest our energies and abilities, and yes, to invest even our finances and our goods into seeing broken, beat up, lost people come into the Father's house. Él quiere que invertamos en nuestros días, en nuestras energías, en nuestras finanzas, hasta aún para que los perdidos vengan a la casa del Padre. And so what we have here is an opportunity to really evaluate our retirement portfolio, our eternal investment portfolio. Podemos evaluar nuestro, nuestro portafolio de jubilación. What is the direction that we're investing our lives? What is the direction that you are investing your moments and your days? Do you have opportunity to invest in the priorities of Jesus? Or are you simply investing in yourself? ¿Estás invirtiendo en Jesús o en ti mismo? I think a lot about the people right outside our door. God, how can I lift a finger? How can I take even one step out of my way? We've had a rough week in Tulare again. More shooting, more death, more sadness. God, how do I have the ability to invest in seeing people become friends of God? ¿Cómo puedo dar un paso, levantar un dedo para ayudar a los que están sufriendo? It may not seem like much. A couple weeks ago, I... I spent some time. It was minimal. I gave up one weekend. It was just a little weekend. Yo di un fin de semana. A little bit of sleep. I lost some sleep. Lost a lot of energy. But you can always get that back. It wasn't much. I'm not trying to say it was a lot. But I invested a, a weekend with the Teens Encountered Christ Retreat that we as a church are involved in. Invertí en el retiro de jóvenes en Hanford. It was in Hanford. I was with six of our so of our Sunrise youth and other youth from the region. I didn't get any housework done. Yeah, there was some things I gave up, right? Let me tell you about the return on my investment. At the end of that weekend, there were teens there that 
that stood up at the closing service and said, I came in here beat up and broken and fearful. And now I'm leaving with Jesus. That was the price of admission. That was worth the price of admission for me, right? To hear young people say, I, I'm not afraid anymore. One girl said, I've been afraid my whole life. I'm not afraid anymore because Jesus is with me. Los jóvenes dieron testimonio de como Jesús estuvo con ellos en este fin de semana. Now that's worth it. It doesn't have to be big. But what we invest today can have returns that will last forever. Lo que invertimos hoy puede tener una inversión para siempre. And so I want us to, to think, what steps can I take? What steps can you take to use your time, your talents and abilities, your treasure to invest in people who need Jesus? ¿Cómo puedes invertir en los que necesitan a Jesús? That's the message here. Consider God's investment strategy. Piensen en la inversión, la estrategia de Dios. Jesus tells us the returns are out of this world. It's out of this world. Los beneficios son más allá de este mundo. So what we're going to do right now, we have a time of offering. And I'm going to pray for that time of offering, but I pray that this would not simply be an offering time a time for throwing something in a bag, but thinking through your investment, your spiritual investment. Quiero que piensen en su inversión espiritual ahora con el tiempo de la ofrenda. Let's pray together. Vamos a orar. Jesus, how quickly we can forget as we get wrapped up in our own lives that right around us there are people that are just hurting so much. They need your love. It can be easy for us to look down on them and to say, well, I've got it good. I'm okay. They'll figure it out. Puede ser muy fácil mirar a las otras personas en necesidad y pensar, bueno, tengo que cuidarme de lo mío. Thank you, Jesus, that that was not your attitude. Thank you, Heavenly Father, that was not your strategy. Gracias que esa no fue tu actitud, Jesús. Lord, as we, as we participate in this giving time, whether we give thanks through uh, a financial gift or through a time of dedication, of praising you, whatever we do, receive our humble gifts. Receive our humble praise. Recibe estos dones, Señor, estos donativos y nuestra alabanza también. And may we be found investing in the things of you, que podamos invertir en las cosas tuyas, Señor. We ask this in the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus, in el nombre del Señor Jesús, and all God's people say, Amen.